Good morning. I'm just uh, delighted to be here, and I cannot believe it's already been three months. Where did this semester go? Um, I think I will, you should give yourself a hand, because when I got here to Marion, my first time in the Midwest, um, moved, uprooted our family, moved here, I have been just so warmly welcomed. And I am deeply grateful for the community I've found, I've found here since I've been here. Um, colleagues who have become friends like Dr. Amanda Drury, I am deeply grateful for the Iowa community. So thank you. The other thing I wanted to say is um, I'm teaching two courses. Uh, both of these courses are new to me and new to the university. One is Issues in Human Trafficking, and the other is A Biblical Theology of Social Justice. Are any of my students here? So what I want to tell you is, can you please pray for them? <laughs> I mean, really, they do not know what to expect when they come into my class sometimes, what new experience I might try to entice them in. So just please, please keep them in your prayers. So I just want to say a quick prayer um, as we get started. May you bow your heads. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So our theme this week is thirst. And what a theme. I think in America, we have a hard time grasping what thirst is because many of us have never really had an experience, had to experience thirst for a long period of time. Let's face it. We have tap water that, depending on where you live, might actually be clean. We also have bottled water, and not just one type of bottled water. We have our pick. We can do Dasani and Fiji and Aquafina, and personally, I like Poland Spring. But y'all, when I was at Yale the last two and a half years, I got real bougie. I started drinking something called sparkling water. I don't know why my water has to sparkle. But what I'm trying to illustrate is we have an ample supply of water to choose from whenever we have thirst. And I just want to take this moment to put a quick plug into World International because Anytime, you know, sometimes I think the church is really content with giving sips and cups of water, but anytime we have a chance to build a well that will give a continuous supply of clean water, and which is what we have with World Hope International Sierra Leone, we should support those efforts. So that's my quick plug for World Hope International. But what does thirst mean? When we say thirst, what does it mean? According to how it's used in the Hebrew, thirst refers to intense longing or intense desire. In other words, thirst signals a fundamental human need. It doesn't matter where you are in life or who you are, by the mere fact that you are human, I know that you will experience thirst, this intense longing to have a drink. And thirst in and of itself is not bad, but in our culture, we have learned to deny our needs. 
And when we have intense longings that can't be met, we either hide those longings or begin to look for other ways to fulfill them on our own. But the question that God has begun to write on my heart these last couple of weeks as I've been preparing is, what if our needs weren't meant to be denied? What if our thirst was actually meant to drive us to the one who can satisfy? For the same ways we have physical thirst, our soul has intense longing. It has his own thirst. And that brings me to the scripture passage for today, which was read so beautifully by Dr. C. Woods and his students. Thank you so much. Isaiah 55, 1 through 2. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affairs. And so the first thing I want to say is God invites. And it's interesting because in some versions of this scripture, the word is actually low or ho. And anytime that word is used, that word is actually used to call attention. And this call to attention is really important in the book of Isaiah because previous chapters are really heavy in God pronouncing judgment. If the people don't repent and turn away from their idolatry and their acts of injustice. But here we see a shift. <coughs> the book of Isaiah begins to speak of the return and restoration after the exile from Babylon and foretells of this Messiah who would bring life through death. And so embedded in this promise of restoration, we find this invitation. Now, who does God invite? God invites all. As my brother and colleague, Dr. Joel, articulated so well on Wednesday, God invites all to come it's not based on zip code, it's not based on class, it's not based on race, all can come. But there is one condition. God invites all those who are thirsty to come. Those who have desire. And this invitation for those who are thirsty is actually threefold. The scriptures say, come by and eat. And what does it mean when God extends an invitation like that and asks us to come? Ashley, can you come? I want you to notice two things. The first thing I want you to notice is come requires movement towards something. The actual Hebrew word is to walk. The invitation to come was never meant to be for us to be a passive recipient of what God has to offer, but always an active pursuit. And I believe the reason why the prerequisite of coming is thirst is in order to move, one has to have desire. And I just want to say to some of you in here today, the reason why you've been so stagnant in your walk with God is because you have lost your thirst. Something or someone has robbed you of the desire to come. <coughs> the second thing I want to point out is that 
Come requires movement from something. In some dictionaries, come actually means to depart. You see, for some of you, you won't come because you are not ready or don't know how to depart from where you are. But I want to encourage you this morning by saying that God never calls us from something unless God is calling us to something. Some of you have been so scared to become, to come because you don't know what God is calling you to or if what God offers is actually satisfying. And so you continue to spend money on and labor for that which does not satisfy because at least there is an immediate outcome to your investment of time, energy, thoughts. But today I want to encourage you to come. And you don't have to have it all figured out before you come. But if you draw nigh to God, God will draw nigh to you. The second part of this invitation is to buy. Now this part of the verse actually tripped me up a little. God is saying to come buy something even though you don't have money, even though you don't have stocks and bonds. Now y'all sitting there quiet, but I know when I was in college, my bank account was hurting, okay? But for God to offer me one who can't work for it or pay for it, and even if I could, would never be able to afford it, one who is so undeserving, God invites me to come by what is freely given, that word buy. And you have to understand that this offer of water, wine, and milk are symbolic, representative of blessing, representative of hearty teaching, representative of those things that have sustenance, but even those things that would be considered the good stuff. I mean, really, for God to invite me to come in my state of desperation, to get filled on what only he can give, it seems like a no-brainer, right? Who would refuse such an offer? Yet so many people refuse to come and freely accept this offer, and can I be real with you? The reason why some people say no is because thirst can be co-opted. What I mean by co-opted is that the thing that should be thirst for God, or once was thirst for God, has become something else. And you see, the Bible has a word for that kind of thirst too. It is called lust. It's amazing that when I began to look up the definition of lust, how similar it was to thirst. A strong craving or desire, a longing. In fact, when I looked up urbandictionary.com and I looked up the word thirst, it said a form of lust or one of members of the opposite sex, someone who is desperate. A thirsty person is constantly looking for a person to date. I'm not even gonna go here, thirsty, what thirsty means. But I will say, if we was outside of the chapel and you had the word, heard the word thirsty, you probably wouldn't be thinking about water and you probably wouldn't be thinking about God. But we are not gonna go there today. But what I will say is lust is like spiritual thirst upside down. Both, both, both thirst and lust are driven by desire. But where the desire originates and how that desire is filled 
is the difference between thirst and lust. And sometimes because of our desire, we give ourselves a little taste of the wrong thing, and then it perverts our appetite so that the thing that we desire is no longer the thing that God intended for us to desire. Pornography, for instance, is a thing that we consume because of desire. Now, I may be getting a little too personal, but can I just keep it real? Some of you have justified pornography with a lie that is better than actually having sex before marriage and have fallen under an illusion and have become addicted to something that will never satisfy, something that was actually never intended to satisfy. And it's really important because I'm teaching a course on human trafficking, and the statistics, when I begin to look at the statistics on pornography in the church, and I begin to see that um, 50% of the church, men in the church, openly say they have or continue to struggle with the use of pornography. And we know, as quiet as it may be, pornography is not just an issue for men. It's also an issue for women, even though we don't talk about it. But the reason why it's become so important for me is the only reason why sex trafficking exists is because there is a demand for it. And demand is driven by desire. And what has been so startling for me, we've had several guest speakers come in to talk about their experience with human trafficking. And just about every single one of those people that have come in to talk about um, the women they work with or um, what the work they do, they have said that one of the number one consumers of sex trafficking is pastors. And so then they said, they said that oftentimes when they come out and, and it's time for them to talk about church with the women, they don't want to hear nothing about church. They're like, what God are you talking about? And so if we can't talk about this at a Christian institution, I don't know where else we can talk about it. Desires that have become inordinate, creating thirsts that were never intended. And I believe that one of the reasons these desires go undealt with and sometimes undetected is because there's no safe place often in the church to talk about it. And so I just want to tell you today, if that is something you struggle with, God wants to convert your thirst so that you would thirst after him. But let's also be very clear. Some of the thirsts that we have aren't necessarily bad. We can be thirsting after degrees, after knowledge, after success, after status, you name it. These things aren't bad things, but even good things can be misaligned. So you have to discern between a good thing and a God thing in God's timing on that good thing. When society or the enemy co-ops our thirst, I think what is really happening is our very appetites and passions are robbed from us, and we become less and less able to discern what is the good and pleasing and acceptable will of God. It's the reason why Romans 12, 2 tells us, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may prove. Some translations say, discern what is good and pleasing and acceptable will of God. One of the examples I think of about kind of how our appetite can be co-opted is the people of Israelite. You know, right after they were taken out of, um, they had witnessed all these miraculous things in the, in the wilderness, 
um, or, or to be free from uh, Pharaoh. So they, they witnessed all these plagues and, and uh, the, the sea parting. And so two months in, they're um, in between, they're actually in the place called the wilderness of sin. This is right between Elam, which is known for its springs and wells, and Mount Sinai, which is known as the mountain of God. But they're in this wilderness, and they're two and a half months in, and you know what they begin to say? <coughs> they begin to complain, and they basically say, why in the world would you bring us out here and have us, have us experience this hunger and thirst? We want the food that was back in Egypt. We want that food. And what I want to say is that even though the Israelites were being called to a new place, their appetite had not yet been converted. And some of you are walking with God, but your passions and desires have not yet been converted. And you are ashamed. And I want to tell you that the only way to change your desires and your passions is to begin to eat what is good. It's to give up what you've grown accustomed to run into when God isn't working fast enough for you. You see, the word buy is there because responding to God does cost us something. It requires us to exchange our old desires for new ones. I love Jamie Smith's book, You Are What You Love. In it, he talks about how our love is like gravity, orienting our lives in a particular direction he writes, you are what you love because you live toward what you want. He says the longings of the heart both point us in the direction of a kingdom and propel us toward it. This is why the psalmist tells us to guard our heart above anything else, because from it flows the issues of life. Or when the question is asked, how can a young person remain pure? The psalmist says, hide the word in thy heart that you may not sin against thee. From our hearts come desire, and what's in our heart determines the nature of that desire. It determines whether or not we're desiring the things of this world or desiring the things of God. And what does God say about the things of this world? 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If, any, if anyone loves the world, Love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and his desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And so the lust of the flesh is those desires which spring from our appetites and passions. And the lust of the eyes is those desires that are aroused by appeals made to our eyes. And then we have the pride of life the vain glory of the world, the need to be seen in a particular light, all of these things pass away. Desires that leave us empty and often ashamed and guilty. But God's invitation is not only to come, not only to buy, but also to eat. And not just anything, but to eat what is good. If you begin to eat what is good, your appetite for what is good will be restored you will begin to delight in the richest affair. Why? Because thirst is meant to be satisfied. One of the things that has fascinated me most about this theme of um, thirst is reflecting back to me as a nursing mother. 
Now just bear with me. I know this is the topic of conversation in the male dorms, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Calm down, but just bear with me. So, you know, I have three kids, and I nursed all of them. And it, and it was crazy because I'll never forget when I had my first child, and the doctor was like, it's time for you to go home. And I looked at my husband like, are they kidding? Like, do they know I don't know how to take care of a baby yet? <laughs> Me and my husband left the hospital feeling like an imposter. But during this time, I started to reflect back on this kind of, this, this nursing, the fact that nursing happens. And during pregnancy, a woman's body already begins to create milk. The milk supply is there when the baby arrives, which means a nursing mother's body produces the very thing needed to quench her child's thirst. It is the perfect food for the newborn. But check this out. You know how a woman gets more milk? That is my baby, by the way. The sound of the baby's cry stimulates the woman's body to produce milk. And when the woman feeds the baby, more milk is produced. But if the baby stops crying for milk and the woman stops feeding, then the body slowly stops producing it. So now, what does that have to teach us about thirst? It reminds me that thirst is meant to be satisfied. Because when I hear my baby crying, my natural desire is to respond to her cry. And when God hears our souls cry out with thirst, God takes delight in our desire and need for him. But I want you to know that this invitation is not unidirectional. Not only does God invite us to come, but our thirst invites God to come and respond to our deep need. You see, God does not satisfy our thirst because we stop becoming thirsty at some point. God satisfies our thirst because he is the source. He produces the very thing we need when we cry, an endless supply of what we need. And I just want to simply close by saying this. If you find you are in a place where you have lost desire, go read Revelation 2 where there are instructions given for those who lost their first love. And one of those instructions is remember. Remember who God is. We serve a God who can quench our thirst, who deserves to be first. And on a lighter note, one of my friends who's a spoken word artist from Atlanta, she says, we serve a God who can give let go to the klepto. <laughs> and even as Christmas holidays approach, we remember that God is perfection swaddled in humanity. Emmanuel, God with us. He was all of us, but none of us. Fully God, yet one of us. His shirt tag says, made in eternity, stain free. Who is he? He is the uncreated God. Dictionaries can't define him. Time can't confine him. Galaxies can't contain him. Religions can't explain him. His sacrifice is too relevant to be outrated, too desired to be outdated. You see, our minds cannot box him. The legal system can't stop him. Deceit can't confuse him. Yet you still have to choose him. The invitation has been extended. Will you come? Buy and eat. 
We have been so blessed by some fabulous speakers this week. Thank you, Dr. Farmer. Um, here at the end, we're going to remember that we are, as we seek to reorient our desires um, and to follow them to the source, we are doing that in community here at IWU. We're doing it at community in community in Marion and in a global family, the body of Christ. Um, and we've been privileged to, to get a little glimpse of that through our partnership with World Hope International. Um, so here at the end, we're going to do this donation. Um, we're going to work with them as they bring clean water, um, but also as they um, bring the source with them into these communities around the world but through their leaders. So we have one leader here from New Brunswick. They've joined us. They've come south. Um, and I've asked Mimi, um, who's going to be at the table outside where you can, you can use your credit card or whatever you want to do or just connect with them. I've asked her to pray for us um, as we seek to be a community um, that reflects and follows our desires to the Lord. All right. Can you all just bow your heads and uh, take a couple seconds to just quiet your hearts and we're just going to pray together, uh, nothing fancy. Um, God, uh, we are so undeserving of your love. Um, you are so good to us. And thank you so much for um, Mrs. Farmer's word. Um, and thank you so much for preparing her. And um, sorry if we get distracted. Sorry if we don't listen to you. And I just pray that all barriers that we've just put between us and you... Um, to stop us from being transparent and vulnerable with you. I just pray that you would tear those down, Lord. Um, just give us the grace needed to actually be honest with you and to just lay down our, cry, our crowns and to just cry out to you. Um, help us just eat a piece of humble pie or the whole cake if we need to. Um, we just really need your help, Lord. You are so good to us. And you just help us be good Christians and help us not fool ourselves into thinking that we are if we're not. Um, help us really be um, honest with you and just follow you wholeheartedly and not be lazy in our faith. Um, yeah, open our eyes to what we need to see, especially if we don't want to see it. Um, and thank you so much for everything, Lord. And I just pray that you would bless us all. Please bless everyone here. Help every single person here with struggles, with anxiety or depression. Um, and help them just satisfy those needs and help them not feel alone. Um, just bring 